Good morning, everyone. Thanks to several of you who uh, sent me messages over the course of the past seven days after last Sunday's sermon. A couple of you said you were pushing back the darkness in your own way. It's very encouraging. And special thanks to a couple of you who sent me photographs and texts that told me that you rescued a turtle. Well done. Well done. Hey, as we get started this morning, let's uh, have a little bit of a test. We'll see how you do with this. It's not a very difficult test, so don't panic like some students do when they hear that word. I'm going to give you three scriptures from the book of Genesis. Here's the question to you. What do these three scriptures have in common? Okay? So just think to yourself, as you see these three scriptures, what do they have in common? Here's the first one from Genesis chapter 1. You can read it for yourself on the screen. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, etc., 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 ending with, and God said, let there be light. That's number one. Passage number two, also from Genesis chapter one, a bit later on, beginning in verse six, and God said, let there be a vault between the waters to separate water from water. And so God made the vault and the water under the vault and all of that, and it was so. Okay? And finally, third scripture Also from Genesis chapter 1, verse 9 this time, And God said, Let the water under the sky be gathered to one place, and let dry ground appear, and it was so. Well, there you go. Three scriptures, all from Genesis chapter 1, all quite close to one another. Might you know what these three passages have in common? And God said. Actually, there are several different things these passages have in common. Lots of acceptable answers. It's an easy test. You could have said they all come from Genesis. That would have been correct. You could have said they all come from Genesis chapter 1. That would be correct. You could have said they all come from the Bible. That would be correct. It's an easy test. But I want to focus on what we can also say about these passages, which is the phrase, and God said. You see, in these passages in Genesis, God is speaking everything into existence. That's all he did. He spoke it into existence, and boy, that is impressive. But what if I told you that God is not the only one that has the power to speak things into existence? In fact, what would you say if I told you that you, yes, you, have the power to speak things into existence? And if you don't believe me, clearly, you've never seen Mary Poppins. Do you remember Mary Poppins? I do. You see, in the movie Mary Poppins, there's this wonderful scene where little Michael goes to the bank where his father works because his father wants to impress upon him the importance of saving money. And so little little Michael has this coin. And then there are these two stodgy, old, grumpy bankers who try and convince Michael to give the coin that he has in his hand to them. They will put it on deposit in the bank. It will be great. Michael doesn't want to part company with his coin. And so, because it's a musical, these two grumpy old bankers break out in song, and they sing the well-known song, Fidelity Fiduciary Bank. But here's what happens. At the end of the song, these old bankers try and grab the coin from Michael's hand. Michael doesn't want to give up his coin. And so Michael protests, and he yells, and he shouts, and there's a tug back and forth, and pretty soon, there's an uproar in the bank. And pretty soon... Many of the customers at the bank demand to have their money. And there's a run on the bank. (laughs) 
And if you've watched the movie carefully, you'll realize it's the first time in over a hundred years the fiduciary fidelity bank is thrown into chaos. You see, speaking into existence a bank run, it's not that hard. In fact, here in America, up until the early part of the 20th century, bank runs were quite common, especially in smaller towns. People could speak into existence a panic. In fact, that could even happen today. Do you remember when there was no toilet paper on the shelves a couple of years ago? The fact of the matter is that we recognize the power of words to bring things into existence. In 1919, the U.S. Supreme Court said it is illegal to shout fire in a crowded theater because by shouting fire in a crowded theater, you create, you speak into existence, panic. So don't tell me that God is the only one who has the power to speak things into existence. Oh, it's true, only God has the power to speak a universe into existence. But every day in your home, every day when you go to work, Every Sunday, when you come to this building, you, yes, you, have the power to speak things into existence. And I want to show you two passages from the Bible that speak to this notion that we have the power to speak things into existence. The first comes from the Old Testament, and the second will come from the New Testament. We'll have the scriptures on the slide so you can see them behind me, but I want to point out a couple of things about these passages. Let's start in Numbers, chapter 13. You know the backstory to this part of the Bible. God's people have come out of Egypt. They're making their way toward the promised land. They're kind of out and about in the desert in the middle of nowhere. And they get right to the doorstep of the promised land after a very long, difficult, multi-year journey. And they send out these spies to go into the land to check out the land. Well, you probably remember that song from when you were a kid. You know, ten spies were bad and two of them were good. Here on the slide is what was said by those ten spies who gave a report about their mission into the promised land, right? We went into the land that you sent us. It does have milk and honey and its fruit, but the people who live there are powerful. The cities are fortified. They're very large, and they spread among the Israelites a bad report about the land. You can read for yourself what else they say. They're like giants. We're like grasshoppers to them. Well, if you keep reading deeper into the book of Numbers, you'll find that this creates a panic among the people that heard this report. In fact, the 14th chapter of Numbers says, That night all the people of the community raised their voices and they wept aloud. They grumbled against Moses and against Aaron and they said, Oh, alas! That was kind of my interpretation. Oh, alas! If we had only stayed in Egypt and died, or if we had died in this desert, why is the Lord bringing us to this land? Blah, 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 blah. Ten people. Ten people had the ability to speak into existence among what scholars believe to be over a million people. Panic, distrust of leaders, doubt of God, and a pretty pessimistic, negative attitude. You see... Our words do have the power to speak things into existence. They can clearly, as this passage indicates, speak pessimism and negativity into existence. And I'll bet a lot of you understand that. Because I'll bet a lot of you have worked or are working in places where sometimes the people around you can be pessimistic and negative and they can speak into existence a really rotten workplace environment. A lot of us have been there before. It doesn't take but a few people 
to start grumbling and complaining and talking about how they wish the management would do this or how they wish the people in charge would not do that. And pretty soon, they've spoken into existence a really bad culture for the workplace. I suspect you've been there. I know that I have been there. It's common in families as well. I have way too many students that I've encountered in my 33 years of teaching college who tell me stories about how their family, their mom, their dad, their siblings would always say, you can't do that. You'll just fail if you do that. Oh, there's no reason to try and do that. Don't try out for the band. You'll never make the band. And they speak into existence a lack of confidence. They speak into existence this belief that the kid can't do anything right. And it wasn't there before, but it is now. And it even happens in churches. In fact, it's interesting. Some people did this study about how it is people that grew up in a church later come to leave the faith, to stop going to church, and in many cases to stop believing in God altogether. And they asked the simple question, what do they have in common? I mean, these are kids that grew up in a church family, they grew up going to youth group, they grew up worshiping on a Sunday morning with fine people like all of you, but yet something happens in their 20s or later and they just check out. What do they have in common? Well, the answer to that was they have a lot of things in common, but one of them interests me that bears on this topic of speaking things into existence. You know how oftentimes after church is over, you walk out to your car and you get in your car and you close both car doors and then you talk about the sermon, or about how long the service was, or about the song selection, or about the Bible class, or about whatever's going on at church. And what they found was that a lot of these kids that later left the church or left the faith after having grown up in the church, they had memories of their parents talking negatively about the church, about its leaders, about God, about all of that stuff. And these kids came to realize that the message that was being sent was, the parents are there on a Sunday morning, and they sure do look good. But the negativity toward the church was also a message they heard. So your words really do have the power to speak all kinds of things into existence. And in fact, this passage behind me in Jude gives the best example that I have seen in my time on this earth of how it is people speak pessimism and negativity into existence. In the book of Jude, one of the writers is talking about what was going on in the first century church and specifically talking about people that had infiltrated many of the churches that were going to read this letter. And it says here in verse 4 and verse 16, for certain individuals whose condemnation was written about long ago have slipped in among you. These people are grumblers and fault finders. They follow their own evil desires. They boast about themselves and they flatter others. They're grumblers and they're fault finders. I kind of enjoyed singing a couple of extra songs this morning before communion. I hope you did. I kind of enjoyed the song selection this morning. It's a beautiful medley. Well done, Kyle, wherever you are. Well done. I don't know if you did. You see, Jude reminds us that it is easy to speak negativity and pessimism into existence. In fact, if you don't believe me, you've seen it played out very clearly in the Hundred Acre Wood. Do you remember Eeyore? <laughs> no, I don't remember Eeyore. It was too long ago. Eeyore in the Hundred Acre Wood is one of Winnie the Pooh's many friends, along with Kanga and Rule and Owl and Tigger and Christopher Robin and everybody else. But Eeyore is famous for always being negative and pessimistic. Eeyore's never happy. Eeyore's like that uh, individual that says, well, I wish it would rain. It did rain, Eeyore. 
well, yeah, but now I have to wash my car. I'm tired of it being cold in Oklahoma. It's going to be 102 today. It's too hot. I've known a lot of people in churches. I've known a lot of people who've grown up in families. A lot of people that work in places where there is an Eeyore that speaks into existence. Pessimism, negativity, complaint, fault-finding. That happened in the desert for those children of Israel so long ago, and it happens today. I hope it doesn't happen here at Oakcrest, and I pray it doesn't happen in your family, but I fear that all too often it does. Because for some of you that have been here at this church family for a long time, you look around this building and you remember when a lot of the pews were filled. And now they're not. And it's easy to be like you are and say, well, it's never going to be like that again. I guess we'll just kind of limp along until the end. But my friends, it doesn't have to be that way. Here's another scene from the Bible. It's in Acts chapter 4. It's in the New Testament. And the backstory to this is... Jesus has ascended back into heaven after his resurrection, and his apostles are about to spread the gospel as far and wide as they possibly can. But they begin to meet some resistance, and and Peter and John are preaching the gospel there in the city of Jerusalem, and they're imprisoned for the preaching that they are doing. And so after a time in prison, they're released, and they come back to the Christians that they worship with to their church family. And it says here in verse 23, on their release, Peter and John went back to their own people and reported all that the chief priests and elders had said to them. Well, when the people heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. And after they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken. Shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. And all the believers were one in heart. One in heart. And mind and It was amazing. You see, here in this very brief story in Acts chapter 4, you have Peter and John speaking encouragement and optimism into existence. You have these people recounting how they had suffered for their faith, but how they had come out of it stronger because of that experience. You have people that immediately run back to other Christians and say, do you see what's going on here? Don't you see what's going on? I mean, we have neonatal vitamins going to the Philippines. Babies in the Philippines are better off because of what you've done through the work of the missions committee here at Oakcrest. Don't you see what's happening here? We've got high school kids that right now are in a van driving to New York, Nebraska, eating all kinds of junk food because they're going to grow in their faith by spending a week at this event called Soul Quest. Isn't that fantastic? Last Wednesday night, several of us went down uh, to the sharing tree, and we organized clothes, and we pulled weeds, and we were just together, and we had conversation, and we laughed, and I think we did a little good in the world. And so, modeled here in Acts chapter 4 is this speaking into existence of this optimism and this encouragement, and God noticed that, and the whole place shook, and the Spirit was among them. Don't you understand that? I mean, hasn't anyone ever spoken optimism and encouragement into your life? Can you name all of the teachers you had in grade school? Kindergarten, first grade, second grade, third grade, fourth grade, fifth grade. Okay, don't, don't start naming them right now. I can't name all of mine, but I can name my seventh grade teacher, Mrs. Hunter. See, here's why I remember Mrs. Hunter. Not because she was the kindest teacher. She wasn't. Not because she was the prettiest teacher. Nope, that was Mrs. Dantine. More on that later. Not because she was the best teacher, even. That was Mrs. Cornette. 
history teacher. Now, Mrs. Hunter, I remember, even to this day, because one day, after I came in from recess, I had been playing basketball with a bunch of guys there on the playground, and Mrs. Hunter was kind of gathering the kids back together, and she said, kids, I want you to know that we have a rising basketball star in our class. I was on recess duty today, and I saw Brian Simmons out there playing basketball, and he's really good. He made practically every shot he took. He was hustling. Someday he's going to be a great basketball player. And I thought, I am? I am! Yes, I am! And so I tried out for the seventh grade basketball team a couple months later, and guess what? I didn't make it. (laughs) But Mrs. Hunter spoke encouragement and optimism into my life at that day, and I still remember it. Don't you think this world would be better off if more families spoke optimism and encouragement at the dinner table? Don't you think this church would thrive and grow and do even more of good work in God's kingdom if all of us committed to speaking optimism and encouragement into one another's lives? I think that's how it could be. So how then do you speak optimism and encouragement into existence? Here's an example from Paul's life a bit deeper in the New Testament in Philippians chapter 1. You see, I think you look for the positive. Paul had been imprisoned because of his preaching, because of the miracles that he had done, because of what he had tried to do in God's kingdom. And so Paul could have taken an Eeyore-like appearance. He could have been negative about that, but instead he says this, writing to the Christians in the city of Philippi. Now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what happened to me beatings, the imprisonment, the false accusations, all of it, has actually served to advance the gospel. As a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I'm in chains for Christ. And because of my chains, most of the brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. How do you speak positivity and encouragement into existence? Be positive. You see these empty pews over here? Those are opportunities. Those are not monuments to a dying church family. You speak optimism and encouragement into existence by finding the positive wherever you are. And so I think for all of us, it's not so much about being like Eeyore. It's like being like Tigger. Do you remember Tigger? Surely you remember Tigger. Tigger is so bouncy. Tigger is so optimistic. Tigger is so upbeat. I mean, nothing gets Tigger down. It's raining. He just bounces along through the 100 acre wood. It doesn't matter. Eeyore's over there off in his corner. Oh, it's so bad. Tigger's like, it's raining. Let's jump in puddles. That's his outlook on life. And although it's a silly set of books and a silly couple of movies from Disney, the fact of the matter is we need more Tigger at this church in families, in workplaces. We need more Tigger because I believe that's what God calls us to. God was not happy with those Israelites who wandered through the desert, not happy with them when they got to the doorstep of the promised land because all they saw was pessimism and negativity. And the God that spoke this universe into existence, I believe, would much rather have all of us, all the grandparents, all the parents, all the siblings, all the leaders, everyone in this church family, Speaking positivity and encouragement into existence. So the next time you see Tigger, you smile and you think, I want to be like Tigger. 
And the next time you encounter an Eeyore, just bounce right along (laughs) and be as positive and encouraging as you can possibly be. And so in a moment, we're going to stand together and sing about what the Lord has done in us. And before we do that, I just leave you with one last question. What are you speaking into existence? When you get in your car this morning and drive away, when both doors slam, what will you speak into existence about this service, about this church family, about the world around you? What will you speak into existence at your dinner table tonight? What will you speak into existence when you go to work tomorrow morning? What will you speak into existence? Your Tigger, the words of God, the reckless words that pierce the soul like those over there, or the words that bring healing and words that bring life. Those are the words of God. And so as we sing in a moment, we will sing about what the Lord has done in us. But as much as we sing about what the Lord has done in us, we sing about what the Lord will do in us through the words and the things that we speak into existence. And so this morning, if this church family can be a blessing to you, would you let us do that? If you'd like to be baptized for the forgiveness of your sins, the water is warm enough, and we'd be happy to do that this morning. If you'd like to have some of the leadership of this congregation pray for you, we'd be honored to do that with you today as well. As we stand and sing, there'll be some shepherds here at the front of the room. There'll be a couple out there in the foyer if that's more comfortable to you. But if we can be a blessing to your life, whether you are Eeyore or Tigger, would you let us do that as we stand together and sing about what the Lord has done in us?